I'd like to read with you or to you from the Gospel of Luke. Luke's Gospel in chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 23, and for the sake of connection, we'll read at verse number 33. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, now that people are described there are the people that were obviously following and making sure that the Lord Jesus would go to Calvary and be crucified. So verse 33 says, when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one in the right hand and the other in the left. <clears throat> then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood behold, and the rulers also with him derided him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If Thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is, now there's no if when it comes to Pilate's declaration here, this is the king of the Jews. One of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other, that's the other malefactor, or the other thief, as he is called in other gospels, but the other answered in, rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man had done nothing amiss. And he said unto him, Jesus, said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. <clears throat> we have read two very interesting, very notable characters in our Bible in the New Testament. Two thieves. And you must understand tonight in this gospel meeting, I don't say it in a hurtful manner or in disrespect, but people that are not saved, people that have never come to trust Christ as their Savior, ultimately are thieves. They are robbing God of something that is very, very important and very, very precious to Him. And that is what His Son has accomplished at Calvary. Because ultimately, the back of their thinking is that there's some other way that I'm going to arrive in heaven. But this being saved and being born again may be just as what they think. But you have your own plea or plan of escape, which is not going to work. And so, it just stands to reason that people are trying to climb up some other way. That's what the Lord Jesus described of uh, described it in John's Gospel, chapter 10. He said, all that ever came before me... Not where, they are, they are, thieves and robbers. Trying to steal, trying to take from God was very, very precious to him. Every person that's saved has had a time in their life when they've come to acknowledge to God, to admit to God, that they are wrong and he is right. That's what the Bible calls repentance. And have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ and his work for themselves. These two thieves, these two malefactors that we read about tonight here in Luke's account of the gospel are really the uh, great divide, if you like, for eternity. The great divide. Every uh, 
river, some of these major rivers, whether it's the Hudson River or even the East River and um, the Missouri and rivers running through Canada, somewhere along we'll have a divide. That divide is that the water from that given point will flow toward this given river, maybe miles away, as it does in New Brunswick and the St. John River, or it will flow the other way and ultimately find a river or an ocean into which it is the divide. And this is what we read in Luke's Gospel, chapter 23, is the great divide of coming to the place which is called Calvary. The one thief, that we just call the other thief, carries with him in one direction all those that will not believe. All those that just have one big question mark over the whole thing. If thou be Christ, there he goes with his crowd. The other thief is just the opposite. And on the other side of that great divide, he takes with him all that have come to trust Christ as their Savior. So every person in this meeting tonight is going with one of these two thieves. Going with one of these two thieves. So we're just going to consider them in that way. <clears throat> Interesting what is going on in this very momentous day. And I say a momentous day because there's a movement. There's a, there's, a, there's a push that's on. From early that morning, the cry of the people are this. Away with this man. We will not have him to rule over us. That's why people don't want salvation. That's why they don't want to call him Lord. They want to rule their own lives. They want to do their own thing, so to speak. And they do not want to have to submit, as they think, to someone else's being Lord in their life. My friend, that is the only way that people can be saved. Romans chapter 10, verse number 9 says very clearly, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Requires true repentance. But here's a man... We know how to describe him. We do the other thief. The thief that went to heaven, we call him the repentant thief. We talk about him as a thief that got saved. And why not? He did. We sing songs about him. He's referred often to in our preaching. But this other thief is kind of an awkward sort of an individual. We, we don't know how to define him. We don't know how to describe him. I don't know. I know it's very bone chilling, but I do not know how else to describe him as this. A man that went... From Calvary to hell. Now, we will sing in, in with children often a little song called, All the way to Calvary he went for me, he died to set me free. And sometimes people are saved and preachers will use kind of the term, uh, have you been to Calvary? And by that means, uh, have you been saved? Have you come to appreciate what happened at Calvary for you? Does it have any significance to you? Does it have any, anything to your life? That wouldn't otherwise be there except what happened at Calvary. Well, here's a man that had really been to Calvary. I can remember in my simple thinking as a young boy that if I had been there, if I could have stood back and watched that rebel crowd and watched them hurl them out of the city and take them out to that place called Calvary and nail them to a cross, I would have believed it. I would have believed it. But to stand or sit in a gospel meeting, listening to people preaching, I thought, you know, that, that I'm so far removed from it. Something that happened thousands of years ago, and I'm expected to believe it. But my thinking was this, if I could just have been there, if I could just have been there. It's amazing. Here's a man that was there. There was nothing to see that he didn't see. There's nothing to hear he did not hear. Nobody that could have been closer. Right or wrong, we refer to Judas as the man that kissed the door to heaven, and by that we mean that he kissed the Lord Jesus. And we talk about him being so close to heaven. Wasn't as close as this man. Judas didn't see any of these events. He's dead by now. He's hung himself. 
He didn't see any of these events. He didn't hear any of these things. But this man did. How tragic. How tragic for someone to hear all that he had heard. See all that he had seen. And yet miss it and die in his sins and go to hell. But do you know something? I doubt he sat in the gospel meeting and heard these beautiful words. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I doubt he heard it. I doubt he sat in a Sunday school class with someone teaching him kindly the word of God. Telling him how he could be saved. How he could know his sins forgiven. I doubt very much he came from a home where he had parents that could tell him how he was saved. I doubt that was in his experience. It's in yours. So you're going to tell me tonight that this man was more privileged than you? I don't think so. My friend, if you miss your way and you die, you owe this man an apology. Because this man did not have the privilege, didn't have to have all conferred upon him that you do tonight. Things were going against this man, just his life, the way he lived. Maybe he didn't know any better. Maybe conditions were such that that's how he made a living was by his stealing. You don't have to. Yet tonight you are described by God as a thief robbing God of his word and of his work. But notice what the man says. We have verses in our Bible we often, speaker included, misquote. One of the misquoted verses is this. This verse here, Luke's Gospel, chapter 23. This man does not, does not say, if thou be the Christ. No definite article. He says, if thou be Christ, save thyself and us. In other words, you could be one of many Christ. We're not sure who you are. This man wasn't asking a question. He was making a statement. He was just merely declaring his rank unbelief. I've often said that if he looked at a chart that you're looking at tonight, there would be one little word over it. It was his favorite word, if. Wasn't the first time he heard it either. Not even that day. That's why I emphasized in the reading. Here were the uh, soldiers and they were using it. Here was the multitude and they were using it. Pilate doesn't use it. Pilate says, this is Jesus, King of the Jews. No if about it. Isn't it sad a man will make a declaration like that, yet not make salvation, not to be in heaven? It's too late for him. Confession that came just a little too late. Well, here's a man, and listen, he could have been saved. There was nothing, there was nothing holding him back. This man could have gone in the very same direction the other man went. I could stand here tonight and tell you of except it was for his choice about two thieves. One on either side of the Lord Jesus. Both in the dying moments of life itself. And they got saved and they were in heaven. That'd be quite a gospel message to tell people. But I have to sadly remind you tonight of one man that just didn't make it. Do you know why? Because he didn't want to. It was his choice. It was just his choice. You can talk to him about what you want. You can say it as you like. But as far as he was concerned, he just did not believe it. We have a hymn that we sing. And I'm very slow to criticize any hymns because I haven't written any. They are worth singing. We have a line of that hymn that says, When I feel that I am dying, I'll be saved, but not tonight. Would you not agree with me a man that is nailed to a cross feels that he is dying but wants to be saved? No, he don't want to be saved. Not every deathbed I have visited 
has the person in that bed that was ours from eternity, and they knew it and I knew it. Not everyone that I have visited wanted to be saved. That lady that was going to be just hours into eternity, I asked her one time <coughs> out in Cape Britain, could I pray with her? She, she said, well, if you want. If you want. In other words, it doesn't matter to me. That's the way she died. As I tell people when it comes to dying, dear, you make sure that's all you've got to do. You make absolutely sure, young man, that everything else is looked after. You make sure it's been attended to. Don't you leave it to the last minute. Don't be like a man that got on a bus one time with me in Sussex, New Brunswick. <clears throat> Well-dressed man, and I really didn't have my shoes on that day. <clears throat> I was going up to the northern part of the province at meetings, and the bus was filled, and uh, he came down, and I sat there reading, I remember, yeah, I was sitting there reading a news, Newsweek magazine. He said, can I sit beside you? I said, sure, have a seat. Sit down, and uh, going along, and I could see that he just wanted to chat. He didn't really want to be sitting there reading the magazine. He wanted to talk, so we started speaking. He's telling me that he's going up to, uh, to look after, he says, my sister's affairs. Now he said my sister was a school teacher. She just died and I'm the executor of her state. As a result, I'm going up to look after her business. I said, oh, that's interesting. Said, she was a school teacher, yes. I said, was she ready to die? Oh, yes, he said, she was ready to die. Well, I said, you know, you know all that's left for me to do? Just put a signature in. She had everything to look after. Who was to get what? What was done, the funeral home, the checks, everything was looked after. All I got to do, sir, is go up and uh, put my signature to it. Have a witness. Oh. I said, so you would say she was ready to die. I said, um, don't mind me asking a very personal question. Where is your sister now? Well, he says, she's gone. Yeah, I said, she's gone. That's right. But where is she? Heaven or hell? Oh, he says, I don't know. He says, I, I, oh, she's not in hell. He said, uh, she must be in heaven. That's the way most people think. I said, if she is in heaven, do you know of any preparations that she made so she could go there? Do you hear that? Do you know of any preparations she made so she could go there? How about you tonight? This man here, no preparation. Now, Ready to die? He's going to die. My, he must have been at the end of the road and he knew it. The only difference between him and you is that he was the, at the end of the road and he knew it. You could be and not know it. I could be and not know it. But just follow me with this man for a moment. Just follow him. Think of that crowd that day. Think of the talking and the jeering and the crying and just the roar of an of a <clears throat> Eastern crowd that day as they're getting their way. As they're literally pushing themselves and Following a man willingly going to Calvary, bearing his cross, a man by the name of Jesus. And now we get to the scene, the place of crucifixion. And to prove to you that seeing is not believing, here is a man that would actually see the swollen face of the Lord Jesus. Would see the hairs that were plucked from his cheek. He would actually maybe get glimpses of his back as it was lacerated. He would actually see that crown of thorns that we just imagined pictures of. He saw it. Pressed into the brow of the Son of God. He would see that. You know, he would see him take, as they would take his hands, they'd already be in place and nail him to that cross. You think this man will believe this? Why wouldn't he believe this? What has he got to lose by, by rejecting it? Same with you tonight. What have you got to lose by getting saved? 
What have you got to lose by coming to know Christ as your Savior? Being able to say for the first time in your life, Jesus died for me. I'm no longer going to hell. I'm no longer going where this man went. No. He made up his mind. It didn't matter what he saw. He was not going to believe it. So it proves that seeing is not believing. He heard all that there was to hear. He would hear as the Lord Jesus was uplifted to that cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Did it not register with the man? Who's being forgiven here? Did he not think he had to be forgiven? You say, does nothing get through to the man? No, nothing got through because he didn't want anything to get through. That's all. Simple as that. So the Lord Jesus was in full control. He could have spoken to this man as he spoke to the other thief. Totally conscious. And could have said to the man, listen, uh, you're making a a terrible, you're making a colossal blunder here, man. You're making a, a terrible mistake. Understand, you're going into eternity. You're not coming back. Would you not want to believe in the sacrifice that I'm making? Would you not want to believe that I can forgive your sins? I understand that. So here's a man that would see all that there was to see. He would actually hear him say that. He would hear this man say, the Lord Jesus say, I thirst. And tonight that thief is thirsting. He would actually hear him actually say, it is finished. Okay? Because the Lord Jesus dies before these two men die. He had to. Death couldn't be in his, in his presence. So he, he literally saw what there was to see. He heard all that there was to hear. And he will still die a total Christ rejecter. Steal against it. No way he was going to bow. Nothing and nobody was going to change his mind. And my friend, that man missed his way, died in his sins, and he went to hell. Not because God didn't love him. Not because the Lord Jesus did not want to forgive him. He would have done for this man what he did for the other man, but he did not want it. Let me ask you something. Are you really saved? Do you know what I'm talking about? Can you relate to a time in your life when you realize, I'm just a rebel before God? No, don't get away with this nonsense that you kind of slid into this thing. That uh, this is kind of a process in your life. And that, uh, you know, like a man told me the other day, just since I've been having these meetings, it said it's ups and downs, and we all have our ups and downs. But what he meant was this, time when he, times when he's gone wholesale out into the world and it's sin and everything else. And then he has the religious hat and he puts that on when he goes certain places and another one when he goes somewhere else. My friend, this is a real thing. This man is dying and is real. But I want to tell you something. I want to point out to you why this man is not in heaven tonight. First of all, he denied his person. If thou be Christ, no one, no one will be in heaven that denies the person of Christ as God's son. That's why the Bible says emphatically, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son, the Son, shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth in him. You cannot have eternal life, my friend, if you deny his person. More than that, he not only denied his person, he despised his provision. Notice what he says? Save thyself. That's not why he came. That's not why he's on the cross to save himself. Then he adds... Imagine the nerve of them and us. We see, the man wanted to be saved. Think again. The man did not want to be saved. Do you know what he wanted? Can you get me out of this mess that my sin has got me into? Just get me off this cross here. Just get me out of this predicament. I only want something that's here and now. Never mind the then and there stuff. Just get me out of this mess. I've met people like that. Oh, yes. 
I met people and if they could uh, be saved just to get them out of the circumstances and the situation that their sin had got them into yeah, they wouldn't mind that but as far as living for, for the Lord in the future as far as wanting salvation and to be a Christian nah, they want that they wanted a temporary savior that would just be a fix for the meantime to get me out of this mess you cannot be saved my friend by denying his person or despising his provision but you know something else he disbelieved his power he didn't believe God could save him listen I, it, I don't like to use that expression my wife tells me all that don't use the expression you don't care because you do care but listen it does not matter how hard you may be steeled against it how much you made up your mind I think I preach what they like they can tell me as they like it's not for me I'm, I'm preaching here because I know one that has power to change your mind change your thinking absolutely my friend you'll be in hell as sure as I'm on this platform and you're on that seat he is able to save them to the uttermost says the writer of the Hebrews do you know what that means? oh yeah and I, we, we use the uttermost and the guttermost those are the no no it means the person so removed in his thinking if I was standing I'm sure if I was standing at Calvary and you said to me uh, who is the who do you think will likely get saved here today I wouldn't have thought anybody would have gotten saved but least of all the other thief I thought he would never get it but he did friend he did but not this man notice the Lord Jesus John I think it is says he was crucified in the in the midst in the middle in other words one thief did not have an advantage over the other they both had equal opportunity so do you in the meeting tonight there's no salvation by denying his person no such thing as heaven's salvation by despising his provision or disbelieving his power you know something else he did he disputed his purpose my friend the purpose for which the son of God came into this world primarily was to glorify his father that sent him and finish the work that he sent him to do and by doing that you can be saved I can be saved tonight how tragic how sad to think of a man here coming so close and yet remaining so far that little expression I know it is old English I know it is old language if thou there's two times it's used in your New Testament but it's emphatic language the apostle uses it in Romans chapter 10 verse number 9 I think it's the expression at its best if thou shalt confess with thy mouth Jesus is Lord believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved for with the mouth confession is made unto salvation and with the heart man believeth unto righteousness the worst time it is used is here in Luke chapter 23 when this man says if thou be Christ save thyself and us no, that's almost blasphemy. It was absolute mockery. I spent all the time I want to spend on this man. I want to come to the other side of the cross. I want to come to a happier scene. I wanted to come to a man that made up his mind that his friend could go whatever way he wanted to go, but he wasn't going with him. No, he would have sung the hymn we often sing. My old companion, fare you well. I will not go with you to hell. I mean with Jesus Christ to dwell, I will go. That's the other thief. Now, keep in mind, this other one has spoken first. That could have very influenced. You know, the other one said, well, hey, you know, we've been together in crimes, and we've been together in things. I think I'm just going to go along and kind of add my amen to it. No way. No way. Here's a man that is literally drawing back from the other man. Not because he felt he was any better. He knew what he deserved. He knew where he was going. 
And he knew what he didn't deserve. He didn't deserve salvation. But here was a man prepared to face reality. That's why people don't get saved. They're not prepared to face reality. At the time of the death of Senator, Senator Ted Kennedy, the USA Today, unfortunately, whatever happened, published an article that said that uh, Ted Kennedy was on their front page dying of a brain tumor. Oh, that infuriated Mr. Kennedy to the point where he got a hold of the publisher and of the CEO of USA Today. And he went through them with language that you could only imagine to tell him the nerve, the nerve for you to publish something like that. Oh, he said, Mr. Kennedy, that's, that's just what we heard. That's, he says, what you heard, is it? And so you can publish it. That Ted Kennedy is dying of a brain tumor. He said, I want you to know I'm not. And he got in his sailboat off Cape Cod, turned it into the wind, and sailed away what was the inevitable, what was going to be facing him, that he was dying with a brain tumor. You know what you say today said the next day? They're very sorry. They wanted to make up an apology. And it was not in the small print as often as it was a regular sized article. They're very sorry that the Senator, Mr. Ted Kennedy, has informed them that he is not dying with a brain tumor. Oh, what would he die with? A brain tumor. When tonight you think you're invincible, you think you're bulletproof, you can handle anything. Oh, can you? Can you? I haven't typed the time and I wouldn't take it to tell you the faces of people I've looked into that I thought I was going to see in the meeting the next night. And it wasn't because they weren't planning on coming because they were. I had a lady go through the door one night. She said, I'll see you tomorrow night. She didn't. She's gone. I wasn't the only one. You ready to go? You know what this man wanted to make sure? In the final moments of life itself, he wanted to make absolutely sure that I am going to be with Christ. What's the first thing he does? Well, first thing that he does is just exactly what it says. But the other answering rebuked him. That word for rebuke, don't that word is? He muzzled him. Put a muzzle right on the man. Do you know when it comes to salvation, there's always an opposing voice. Okay? When it comes to salvation, there's always an opposing voice. There's always somebody saying, oh, come on, don't, don't go down that hall and then get you worked up that you're going to hell and that you're not going to be in heaven. There's always an opposing voice. You, my friend, if you're ever going to get in, be in heaven, you must get past an opposing voice. A blind man does. Right? There's a whole crowd of people who say, hey, what are you doing? Hey, Mr. Blind Man, wait a minute. You? Let us how fickle that crowd is. In Mark chapter 10, you have to go to Mark chapter 10 to get up with Bartimaeus. And when the Savior calls you, oh, this is Christ. The Master calls you, come on, he's calling you. And you, are you, is this true? Tell me it's not true. You will actually play into the hands of a fickle crowd. Not this man. But the other, answering rebuked him, said, Dost not thou fear God? Notice he doesn't say, Don't you fear dying? Don't you fear crucifixion? Does not how fear God is the inevitable. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. I've already been picked up on my Canadian pronunciation of some of your famous Americans. Patrick Swazi or Swazi, whatever that very famous actor. 
when he was being interviewed here not that long ago before he died he became very very honest about it quote unquote and I forget now just who was interviewing him I do have the story of it here's what he said he said the dying part is not pleasant the dying part is not pleasant what bothers me is who I believe that I've got to face after I die what bothers me is who I have to face after I die if the man wasn't saved he is yet to face him so are you not this man here never have to be at the great white throne of judgment this man's situation was real but to a real request came a rich reply I mean this man was you know, we live in such an unreal world you know, a fictitious world I mean I don't think the man had to pinch himself to say I'm on a cross or uh, pinch himself to say moments and I'm going to be in eternity but he realized the situation for what it was could I plead with you in a very unreal world tonight to come back to just a moment of reality and ask yourself if I die tonight if the news reaches by email and phone calls among the Christians and the people in the hall and he's gone she's gone where will I be this man wanted to be with Christ so all that mattered to him not only was his situation real but it was very very revealing what's going through a man's mind at the end of life you ever wonder that most that I visit today and you know I, I have to say it's one of the unpleasant sides of the work that I do is when people call up and we'll ask you to visit someone and they're in and out of consciousness and they are usually so drugged up they can hardly take in what you can say they just sit there and lay there rather and kind of look at you dozing in and out and hey who wouldn't want to die with as little pain as possible I'm not putting that down but a moment then to try and get saved a moment then to try and get it settled this man has realized that time is not my friend it's not on my side I am literally at this moment teetering teetering on the brink of eternity I want to know that I'll be with Christ it's very very revealing here's a man that wants to get it settled the repentant thief here's what he says we indeed justly for we receive the due reward of our deeds that's repentance he says we're getting exactly what we deserve I don't deserve anything more than that whatever punishment is coming my way I absolutely deserve that he's just prepared to accept it how about you tonight? you prepared to accept that? Anyone here tonight that's prepared to realize I have to repent or I'll be in hell? Do you know the first, almost the first, first words out of the lips of the Lord Jesus were repent? Out of Peter, repent. Out of Paul, repent. Out of John the Baptist, repent. Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. This man here... But the other answering, rebuking him, said, Dost thou fear God? We indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. This man, this man hath done nothing amiss. Then he turns. Lord, he says, Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. <laughs> Isn't that sweet? Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Here's a man that believed in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, because dead men don't receive kingdoms. He believed he was coming back to set up his kingdom. And he says, when you come back to set up your kingdom, he says, remember me. Oh, says the Lord. That's fine, I'll, I'll about then and there. How about here and now? And he turned to the man and he said, today, that's the rich reply. Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. In other words, if you're with me today, you'll be with me there. Oh, that must have been sweet to, to simply rest upon that, what, what he had said to him. 
Now this man, my friend, is representative of every person that comes to know their sins forgiven, that comes to know Christ as their Savior. There's genuine repentance. My friend, repentance follows people, Christians, all through their life. I'm not standing here tonight telling you I deserve what I have. I don't. I think I understand it some sense more tonight than I ever did, that I never deserve salvation. When I visit and I talk, talk with people, I see the darkness that prevails. I often go home and get on my knees and thank God that in His mercy He reached and saved me more than that, that He saved me when I was young. Peter Orzak has stood on this platform and preached the gospel where he is living, gone to heaven. I don't think there's any man I had more serious of gospel meetings with than I did Peter Orzak. I would be the first to admit that I miss him. We used to give our testimony. I think I could get mine through in about 7 to 10 minutes. And Peter would take maybe 50 minutes to tell his. A lot of detail. We'd ride home in a car together. He said, really, McCandless, I'd trade with you any day. I wish I didn't have all those years of baggage. I know, he says, it's all under the blood. I know it's all forgiven. I thank God for it. But oh, if I could have only had it when I was young. If I could only have had it when it was your age. You're that age tonight. I speak to someone, you're just saying it's not for me. I trust tonight there will be some repentance. That you'll muzzle whatever voice is opposing tonight, because there is an opposing voice. Felix said it too. Oh, yes. Yeah, not a word that Drusilla would say, but there she's hanging on to. You know what she's saying? Uh, don't get into this. You're going to crab our lifestyle. I, I somehow, as I read that, can feel kind of a tug on the poor fella. I don't know if I should call him poor fella or not. Felix could make up his own mind. Drusilla, she didn't tremble. I was old hat to her. She'd heard it just like you so many times. And she's kind of pulling him away and saying, no, no, come on, this won't work. Not you and I together. This is not going to work. And he just went with that. How about you tonight? Let me plead with you that you, go the, that you go the route of this man, that you'd have the courage to do what he did with everything going against him, if you like. He had the courage to stand against it and said, listen, this is the Savior for me, and he trusted him. His conviction. He admitted his sin. He acknowledged his sentence. Whatever is coming, I deserve it. But he appreciated his substitute. But the Savior was dying for him. Imagine a man that would be saved and go to heaven. I was right there at Calvary. Hard thing to meet a man like that. I mean, there's lots of men to meet in the Bible that were saved and Saul of Tarsus, whoever it might be. Something to meet this thief. Go to him and say, you're the one. Yes, that was me. First thing he'd tell you, I should have deserve it. Only his grace. I'm here to worship him. Isn't that why you're here? Sure. My friend, whatever you do, remember, everybody in this meeting, everybody, is going one of two routes. You're going the repentant thief or the rebellious thief. It will be your call. Shall we pray?